0: You're listening to Bird Means Business, episode 56. Hi there, and welcome to Bird Means Business Podcast. This week, we have your, my favorite guest in the studio, the one and only Terry Williams.
1: Oh, am I their favorite guest too?
0: I I don't know. That's why I had to change it to my favorite guest. I'm not sure. (laughs) We've had some pretty awesome guests. But no, you're pretty awesome too. I'm so excited to talk with you and give everyone the behind the scenes of our launch of our very first business, the League Elite Training Facility, a circuit training warehouse gym here in Houston, Texas. You excited? Yeah. It's going to be good. So before we get into the episode, I want you to imagine something. Imagine having a document that housed all of the strategic planning for your business and that you reviewed every quarter, which helped you be proactive in your business instead of reactive. Imagine having a financial spreadsheet that projected where your revenue and profit would be in six months or a year or three years. And imagine having conversations with a potential investor or your landlord or even a CPA or attorney and actually feeling confident with explaining how your business works. Well, my friend, that's what you get with my signature Prove It Plan framework. Prove It Plan is a five-week online course where you'll get my tried and true business plan template with video modules and bonus guides, and you'll interact with me each week through our weekly Q&A in our private Facebook group. The best part is that you're going to get lifetime access to all of these goods. So you can start whenever you need and also refer back to the material as needed. Module one goes live January 25th, and I am so super excited. I have put so much into this new launch of the course, and I'm just really excited to show you I know it's going to be transformational for your business. I want you to know that January is the only time that I plan to have Prove It Plan be live or be accessible this year. So you don't want to miss out. If you know you need a profitable business plan, you're going to love the Prove It Plan framework. Like I said, I've seen Prove It Plan transform so many businesses, and it really just makes me so happy to be able to share this experience with you and to be along your journey in this way. But don't just take my word for it. Here's what Ayana had to say. I am so happy I was recommended to contact Bird Williams. I thought I knew how to grow my business, but during our time together, Bird touched on so many important factors in not only growing, but maintaining a profitable business and scaling my business to the next level. I now have a rock solid plan to run a successful and profitable business. And that is what I want for you, my friend. So if you have any questions at all about Prove It Plan, do not hesitate to DM me on Instagram. I'm hey, Bird Williams on Instagram, or you can just shoot me an email. It's hello at BirdWilliams.com. All right. So let's just go ahead and jump into the episode. All right, Mr. Williams, let's talk about what it looked like to launch the league. Y'all, the league was our first baby. We're going to kind of give you the pre story of how it came to be. Then we'll talk about what our year long launch process looked like. We'll share some fun facts and (laughs) memories from launch day and even talk a little bit about the year after, what it looked like after we launched our business. We're going to share major takeaways along the way and really just really try to pull you into the story so that as you launch and grow your business, you can kind of see how it works and what it looks like in real life. Cool. All right, let's jump in. So the pre story, how it came to be, what's your perspective there? How did we get to launching our gym?
1: Yeah, so we had two very different backgrounds. I was here in Houston, Texas, studying for my master's in health and human performance. I had the dream of being a strength and conditioning coach, was hopping around between five or six different gyms here in Houston, some of which I was doing personal training at, others I was doing any form of group exercise imaginable from kickboxing to spin class to boot camp, And at a couple of them, I had built new group exercise formats and programs. I was utterly exhausted, pouring all my time into this industry. And I loved what I did, but not necessarily where I did it. Needed something new. Kind of felt a passion for being a gym owner someday. But I was like, I don't want to do the business stuff. I want to do the fitness stuff. I want to be in the room with the people, writing and programming the workouts and doing the relational component of it, like being a coach. And you were in New York City during that season on Wall Street. You loved logistics. You loved business. You loved transactions. You had a whole different set of interests and skills. And you were like, why wait? Why wait to launch that gym? And I was like, oh, well, you know, I really love this component of it, but not all components of it. And I got to figure that part out. And you're like, you know what? I'll do the parts that you don't want to do because that's the stuff that I love to do. And then from where I sit, the way I see it, we kind of just became this dream team where I was fitness, you were business, and together we gave birth to a fitness business.
0: Yes, I love that so much. So I love what you said in terms of you were doing, you were working all over Houston at these different studios. And- Another thing I know you've said in the past is that you wanted to do fitness a certain way. You were training with athletes, pro athletes in the off season, and wanted to introduce certain fitness regiments and programming. But it wasn't really received well at these different studios. And so you wanted to do your own format. Tell us a little bit about pack training and how that yeah. came out.
1: So I was in these gyms that had awesome world class equipment that I didn't care about, honestly. (laughs) I wanted functional movement. I wanted people's bodies to be their machines because when I was working with professional athletes, it was kettlebells, battle ropes, tire flips. Some stuff didn't even need equipment. We're running sprints. We're doing hand-eye reaction time training and things like that. And I really didn't want to be in a place with a bunch of machines, a bunch of clunky, heavy machines taking up floor space that could be prime movement space. And so in this interest in functional training, I was like, I love fitness, but I don't necessarily love the lane I'm driving in in fitness. And so we developed PAC training. PAC is an acronym for power aerobics and circuit training. And the K in the word PAC just stands for our mindset and our mantra, which is keep moving. And so the idea is that when I'm training professional athletes, we always do a power training sequence, an aerobic phase and then a circuit circuit training is like my absolute favorite form of training. And so then a reminder to the people who ne- aren't necessarily pro athletes, but are in the gym where they are trained and being led by coaches who work with them is keep moving. You don't have to be the fastest or the strongest in the room, but you got to keep your heart rate elevated and your muscles activated. And so pack training became this system by which we could literally download the same processes that we use with elite athletes and make it accessible to the everyday average person, even if it's their first time working out because it had levels to it that were welcoming and inclusive to everybody. And so now we got a whole bunch of people in the room just swinging kettlebells, working battle ropes, pushing sleds, flipping tires, feels incredible.
0: Yes, and that is exactly what I want to hone in on is the unique way we were solving a problem when we introduced pack training. And I will say it was initially stack training. I mean, it was definitely initially a different acronym, but we evolved it over time because remember we as entrepreneurs, as brand builders, were adaptable, right? And we started to find that we really needed to simplify it and we went from stack training to pack training. But what we offered was something that was very unique because of Terry's background with professional athletes in the offseason, seeing everyday joes wanting to work out like them or look like them he's like well how can i modify this for everyday people and that's how it was born so as you're thinking about your business when you think about we talk about it a lot you're solving a problem in your business right that's why your business exists so the problem can't be as simple as people need a gym to go to people need to be fit no dive deeper what are the options available in the market and where are there gaps and holes? Well, that's what Terry identified. He said, people want to train with more functional, more functional training, circuit training. And how can we do that differently? And that's how pack training was born. So I just wanted to note that for all of you who are building your businesses and trying to differentiate yourself in the market, especially for those who are in very saturated markets, the bigger or more defined the problem is that you're solving, the more success your business will have. Okay.
1: That's a great point. Can I just jump in on that? Yeah. So if you're not solving a problem, your business just can't win. You got to be able to solve somebody's problem. And I'll say also to what Ashley was saying there, at that time in 2013, what I was noticing was there was like two ways you could work out. You could go to like the big chain gyms where there's really affordable membership and then no guidance. And then you get in and there's hundreds of people in the building and everybody's got their headphones in and their own thing and it's like isolation <laughs> even in a crowd. Or you don't even know what to do. You're just right. walking around. That was- well, what do I do? <laughs> so I'll just get on this treadmill, right? Or you could get some training and then it's one-on-one and then it's super expensive things. So you got roped into a cheap membership and now you're spending way too much because like you need to know what to do. Or you could go to a functional training gym and be hit over the head at a crazy price point. There was no middle of the road. We're going to give you some functional training and some guidance at a price that's affordable. And so in that way, we did a little bit more problem solving. And then also speaking to the format name, I love how you brought up stack training before pack training. So it was a simplification, not in the word stack, but in what that acronym stood for. Mm -hmm. We found that people would be like, what does that stand for again? And when we explained it, You could just see in their eyes like this is overwhelming. It's too much information. (laughs) And so simplifying was another way that we were able to really increase our reach in the market and really connect with people in a real way.
0: Absolutely. Well, good way to convey what we were doing more concisely and get the mark stronger, I think, with pack training. Love it. i also share in terms of the pre story. So he mentioned I was in New York. I've shared, I know it was episode 54. I talked about how to choose an entrepreneurial endeavor. And I kind of give my background with being there working on Wall Street and doing really great, but not being at all fulfilled by what I was doing. And deciding that I wanted to be an entrepreneur through answering these 15 questions, which you actually get the journal prompts for if you listen to episode 54. Answered the questions, realized I wanted to go into entrepreneurship, actually tried a different endeavor with my mom that didn't work out, but it got me to move from New York to Houston. And that's when Terry and I had gotten back together and gotten married. And I realized he wanted to launch this gym, but just didn't really want to do all the not fun stuff, which for me was fun. (laughs) And that's how it came to be. So I remember it was one Christmas. I don't exactly remember what prompted it other than just me being like, honestly, probably close to depression. I didn't realize it then. But in hindsight, I remember like just sleeping all day and just trying to sleep until Terry got home because I was in this extreme place of going from New York investment banker on Wall Street to married and at home with no job. And it was really hard for me. And one day it was like, look, I got to do something. We got to get something going. Let's just build a model. And so when I say build a model, it was mostly just a financial spreadsheet. And what it did is it outlined what revenue we thought we could bring in over a year. And we I carried it on to two more years. So we could kind of see the three-year projections and also expenses. And the beauty of having Terry, because I didn't know much about the gym industry, you know, was that he knew all those inputs. He could say, well, we could sell this package for this much. We could price it here. Of course, we did some more research on, on all the different things, but even especially when it came to expenses, how much equipment would cost, How much flooring would cost? What would we need at the front desk? All of these questions. He, being in the industry for so long, had he either knew the answer or we could call a friend or he could go to the gyms he worked at and like look at what they were doing and we could figure it out. So I say that to say, if you have no background in what you're doing, it's going to be especially important that you connect with those who are in the industry who are willing to talk with you or share in- insights or information. We had a friend who had a warehouse gym um, who was very generous with letting us see his waivers and his different contracts that he would have members sign and asking him questions about his processes and the equipment he's gotten. And so that was huge for us. So again, just trying to really gear into what you will need to think about as you're launching your business. But that document, that business model that we created really helped us see like, okay, would take this long to become profitable. And and this is how much we would kind of need for startup costs. And so I say this a lot, but your financials really make it real, right? It takes the numbers out of your head in terms of what you think it's going to cost. And you put it into a spreadsheet or on paper to say, okay, this is actually what the numbers shake out to be. And that financial spreadsheet, the same structure, of course, I've improved it over the years, but that is a part of the prove it plan framework. So there are four pillars in prove it plan. It's foundation, financial, operations, and marketing. And then the fifth week of the course, module five is where we pull it all together. And so in that second module financial, that's where we dive into this exact spreadsheet where you'll be able to download it yourself. I'll show you how to input your revenue and expenses and see your profit and project your financials for three years. So again, it was just really pivotal. And the reason I bring it up is because I was recently on a consultation call with a a young man who wants to, um launch an apparel company and he asked like, man, what is the first thing I need to do? And there's so many things to do as you're launching a business. It can seem really overwhelming. And I thought back to this moment, I was like, what was the first thing I did? Oh, right. We sat down. I can almost remember being in our living room and like going through all of this and we put the numbers down and we really tried to see where that would shake out. And I think that is a great first step. If you're really trying to see, will it be a viable business? How will it really work? really starting with your financials.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great point because I think people get really wound up on their dream and it's great to have a big dream, but you got to have those logistical pieces in place. Like I talk to a lot of people who are aspiring to launch something and they want to talk about their colors, their logo, (laughs) the social media handle they want, buying the web domain, and maybe sometimes about the problem that'll solve. But then when you ask a question like, okay, great, so how will that survive a financially turbulent market mm-hmm. like 2020 has brought mm-hmm. us to. right? And it takes actually finding out if it's viable. It takes understanding cost of equipment, how much investment capital is needed, what are the monthly expenses really going to be, not what you've imagined them to be. And your dream is great. You believe you're going to sell 2 million pair of these really fuzzy socks. And that's cool. And if it takes all 2 million of those sales to make this thing profitable, probably not going to work. It's not go double platinum or flop. Like you got to figure out what really makes the engine go.
0: Yes. I love that you brought that up. And that is why I leave marketing to the end because I get that all the time. Same thing. Here's my logo. Here's my social media handle. But I'm like, well, let me see your financial projections or what are your standard operating procedures? And it's just like blank stare, right? And so we go through all of that it plan. Operations is a big one, especially when it comes to scale. A lot of entrepreneurs say, well, it's just me in the beginning. I'm just gonna try to, you know, I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to make this work. And that's fine, right? That's how it can feel. But what happens when you're booked out? What happens when you sell out? I actually had a strategy session several months ago uh, with a young lady who launched a beautiful candle company during quarantine. And she sold out like day one and then restocked and sold out again. And so the great thing about operations, when you key into that, is that you're able to see how can I scale this? How can I take it to the next level? What systems need to be in place? What can I automate? That is going to be a game changer, not only for you to scale, but also for you to have some peace of mind, for you to know that to really Increase your business operations isn't going to kill you because you have a plan in place for that. So I love that you brought that up. So, pre story Terry's working in gyms all over Houston. Ashley was living in New York, decides she wants to be an entrepreneur, leaves her job, comes down to Houston. We get married. I begin to realize, okay, this is something he really wants to do. He just doesn't know how to do it, but I can help him. And we begin the process of launching the league. So now that we've kind of shared about how we got there, let's talk about what that year long launch process looked like. Do you want to start or? Sure. Okay. So we. What happened after we built that model?
1: So we built a model. We had a good understanding of what it was going to cost to do this thing. And. We did our little bootstrapping and whatever we could do, but then we needed finances. We needed investment capital. And so we raised a little bit of capital. We had some folks that were like, oh, no, thanks, but thanks for sharing the idea with me. We had some folks that were like, I'm in, I'm excited. I think I'm able to do a little something. I will say our biggest investor who committed, unfortunately, pulled out of the deal. Yep, last and Very close to launch day. Fun
0: times. (laughs) When I
1: had just walked away from my day job, we had secured a lease on a space. We were starting to order equipment. We had just announced the actual launch day and like people were getting excited. And we all of a sudden didn't have a good chunk, like a big percentage of the money that we thought we were raising and that we were relying on. And it almost looked impossible. We had to battle through that. That would be my biggest memory from the year leading up to launch, because it was just such a big, like, do or die moment. Yeah. We're either really crazy or we're geniuses and we're about to figure out. (laughs) That's actually something that somebody said to us, too, when we were in the process.
0: Yeah. So... I get a lot of questions around raising capital and I actually did an entire podcast episode on it. Um, It's actually Bird Means Business podcast, episode eight. It's how to raise funding for your business. So I go into more detail, but that started with us actually developing a business plan. So we took that, business model that I created. And again, that was a piece of our business plan, but we also needed to understand our foundation, our purpose, our mission, our vision statement, our team, and how that would be structured. We were really thinking about it in terms of what questions will investors have. We knew that we couldn't launch a gym with the money we had in savings. So we were going to need to have investors. So we we developed our business plan and we didn't just stop there. We actually sent it to my investment banking director on Wall Street. Um, Her name was Sarah Daz. She's amazing. She looked at it and reviewed it and redlined it, you know, marked it up. And it was so good to have that feedback because then we were able to be much more, we were ready for those investor conversations. We weren't having to, you know, stumble over our words because she'd already kind of like helped us really vet this business plan that we were creating. It helped us think about our business in a much more real way. Again, that's why I think business plans are so important because it helps you prove your business to yourself. Hence the name, Prove It Plan.
1: (laughs) Also, let me call this out too. I think learning was a big thing in that year leading up to launch as we were planning, because that same person you just mentioned, your former director, who was kind of a mentor to you, Mm -hmm. made a suggestion to you that was identical to what my mentor suggested to me Mm -hmm. in regards to the name of the business. We had this name we loved, but that was corny, like the world wasn't going to (laughs) love. And it's so ironic that both the biggest voice of wisdom in Ashley's life at the time and the biggest voice of wisdom in my life at the time both made the same suggestion as how we landed on our name. Now, this is separate from the plan. Different note, of course. Don't want to take us on a tangent, but I just want to say to anybody who's in that process, you absolutely got to welcome some wisdom because there's some things that you don't know and you never know what you don't know.
0: That is so true. So, so true. That That was huge to have those voices in our life. So we got a business plan together and then we basically used that business plan to create our investor presentation. We basically added on a transaction summary page to the investor presentation um, that really detailed what it would look like in terms of the debt or equity offering and all of the details that that have to do with that. And again, that's in episode eight of Bird Means Business Podcast. So we created the business plan. We began to talk to investors. I detail in that episode again, how we had them sign NDAs, how we made a list of those that we thought would be most likely to invest to least likely so that we weren't asking all 20 people at the same time and getting too many investors and on and on. So we went through that process, but as we were trying to solidify our investment capital, We were also getting with a real estate agent to look at properties and trying to nail down the best space based on what we needed and looking at all the equipment. Like I said, we had that friend who was in the gym industry who was helping us think through what we needed. But Terry had a lot of experience with that, too, so he kind of already knew And, you know, just kind of getting all the other details in terms of what it would look like to actually launch our business. And yes, there were so many bumps along the way, not only with the investor, like Terry mentioned, but probably a week before we launched, we had a big issue with one of our big pieces of equipment. It was a rig. We thought it would be a freestanding rig that we would just put together and it would stand on its own. But when we opened up the packaging, it was like it needed to be mounted to a wall. So thank God for Albert Joseph, my dad, who is like apparently some kind of engineer and had all these tools and measuring all this stuff out and going to the what was that factory we went to? Like it's like some kind of steel factory. To yeah, buy. we went to
1: we went to a hardware place where they had to custom cut some steel beams to help us get it up there.
0: Exactly, it was pretty intense, but we got it up like days before the launch. We had so many issues with our flooring, but we had so many great friends who came in and helped us lay the lay the turf. For example, when the turf came, it was like seven hundred and fifty pounds. We had no idea, and the rule, which we also didn't know, was that we had to get it off the truck. The driver. Wasn't responsible for that. So here we are trying to get 700 pounds of rolled up turf off the truck and into the gym. Just a lot of fun things like that. So when it comes to preparing for your lunch, make sure you take all of that into account. One tip is that a lot of times when you negotiate a lease agreement, the landlord might give you a month or two I don't want to call it for free. I can't remember the term off the top of my head. But they will allow you to come in and not pay rent for at least a month so that you can get all this ironed out, get everything set up, you know, because you're not actually generating revenue then because you're not open, but you're able to kind of set up ahead of time. So if you can negotiate that, it is pretty typical, at least a month that will help you a whole lot. Any other kind of tips in terms of like preparing for launch day?
1: Yeah. One big thing that I heard you say without saying was be ready for surprises. As you talked about all the things that happened that were like, "Oops, we didn't account for that. We need to figure this out now in- like in the moment, we have a real problem that's going to cost us more time or more money, or we need more help, like we need people to get seven hundred fifty pounds worth of material off of a truck right now before the truck leaves <laughs> that we are responsible for, apparently, right, and so I think one big thing for anybody who's in that season of preparing to launch is. Be ready for surprises and be very resourceful. Have your people, your team that you call in for help as you need it. Yeah, exactly. That's huge.
0: Yeah, I would also say be ready to sacrifice. I remember it being Terry's birthday weekend. So we launched the league on December 1st, 2013. Terry's birthday is on November 27th. So the weekend before, it was kind of a disaster. Like I said, we had some issues with our flooring and like dirt on the floor before laying the flooring. And so we had to power wash the ground. And what happened is there were divots in the ground. So there were these buckets of water that we had to scoop up and we didn't have enough towels. so we were like taking red cups and trying to scoop them up. And I just remember looking over at Terry, it was cold. Our fingers were like hurting, or at least mine were. And looking over at him and saying, I am so sorry, babe. Like, what do you want to do for your birthday this weekend? And his response was this. That's what he said. He was like, this is what I want to be doing. I want to be preparing for the launch of our gym. And it wasn't glamorous or glorious, but this is where he wanted to be because he was willing to sacrifice for what we both were. So as you're looking to launch, like there will be surprises. There will be crazy, scary stuff going on, just be here for it. I'd like, be willing to sacrifice and also think about the timing. So think about the industry that you're launching in, think about your audience and what they need. We strategically launched in December because we wanted to have space to work out all the kinks before the big January rush. You probably know that a lot of people are like new year, new me. I'm going to get my fitness goals. I'm going to start strong January 1st. And so we wanted to make sure we weren't launching when all that was happening and and we were able to work out the kinks ahead of time. So that's why we chose December. But then we also had to be strategic with Terry's job. I believe it was November 1st that he told his different employers that he would no longer be there. And we had like the website set up and everything and ready to launch after he told them, because of course we didn't want to launch this business and get out that he was starting his own gym and all this. So he gave them more than a two weeks notice in advance and all of that. So just think about All those pieces, again, as it comes to your launch date.
1: Yeah. And how will you handle that? Right. So like it's customary to give two weeks notice. But to that example, for what Burgess shared there, for me, compassion is a really big thing. So I was like, I'm going to reach out an entire month in advance and communicate my willingness to be here throughout that time if needed to help train great people so that y'all can move forward strong as I now exit.
0: Right. And Terry, he won't say this, but he was like the top trainer at all these locations. So it was like these places were losing their top talent. And so that's why he wanted to give them extra time, which is super admirable of you to just really give them a lot of time to be able to prepare for that transition. So let's talk about launch day and how that looked. My biggest takeaway is just that First of all, there was such a huge turnout. It was wild. I mean, hundreds of people, we made it really fun. We had a DJ, we had games, we had food, we had like, yeah, just different prizes and stuff. And I mean, it was a huge turnout. People coming from Dallas and San Antonio just to support. And I will say, I know I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but it had a lot to do with Terry's generosity, for years on Twitter. This is when Twitter was at least really big for us. And he was just giving free content, free fitness tips for so long that he had amassed this huge following. So when he launched his gym business, so many people wanted to support, even people who couldn't attend the gym because they lived in San Antonio and Dallas. So it meant a lot to us. We felt very supported. But on the other side of that, can you guess how many people signed up at her launch? Which, of course, we had, you know, our computer set up. Drum
1: roll, please. Six, y'all.
0: Six whole people signed up. And that is not what we projected. <laughs> and we were just so devastated, you know, like, oh, my gosh. I mean, not in the sense of, like, we give up, but just more of, like, whoa, that was a lot less than what we thought. And ironically, we went to that same friend who had helped us give us feedback feedback. The other friend who had um, the gym here in Houston. And he was like,
1: like, yeah, I sold two on my launch day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So we were like, okay.
1: Normalized it. Now I'll say for me, I get what you're saying when you're like, it was devastating. For me, it was more like the motivation I needed. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, it takes that many people showing up to get that kind of launch. And then attached to that for anybody who's hearing that, who for you, that feels like, man, that would be devastating to me. I want to say this too. The league now is seven years strong. It's a known institution of life change in Houston, Texas. Oprah Winfrey Network, Huffington Post have covered things regarding the league. Like it doesn't take a big launch day to have a big business. And I want nobody to lose their firepower because it didn't start the way that they had envisioned it starting. Right. Mm -hmm. Because think about. When you were born, you were a baby. You relied on everybody for help, could do nothing for yourself. You could do nothing but eat food, poop, and cry. And look at you now, a whole grown human out here mm-hmm. making decisions about to launch a business. Yeah. Don't despise humble beginnings.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, it taught us so much. It helped me really rethink our numbers. And I think that's why it impacted me because I'm looking at the numbers like, oh, man, if, if that was what we got for launch, then we got to rethink what we're going to do in January and on and on. But that next year, it really took off. So in terms of like the year after phase now, I remember the next day. So we launched on a Sunday. Monday, we had our first day of classes. And I remember the, the man who came. He was one the, student. One student in our 5.30 a.m. class. It
1: was 5 a.m. back in I that day. I thought it was
0: 5 a.m. Yeah, 5 a.m. class. Not only was there one one guy, it was freezing cold and he threw up after the class. I remember thinking, oh my gosh,
1: This is going to be fun. Like, are we doing too much? Are our classes too hard? Yeah, there's a lot to figure out. And
0: I I can almost remember every single person. Nick came to a class that day. Our other friend, Paul Howard, came to Mm. a class that day. Like, I can really remember because it just meant so much. So it's important if your friend's launching a business to just support because it means so much in those early days. But anyway, it's crazy. So we had those humble beginnings, but the gym took off. 2014, the gym just soared. I mean, we were on all kinds of like TV stations doing stuff. We We
1: actually never spent a single penny on TV time, but we're covered by the local affiliates for every major network. NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox. Mm -hmm. It was crazy.
0: Shout out to Nayla Cantu. If you're listening, we love you, girl.
1: Yeah, she worked for the local CBS affiliate at that time. And I mean, it would be wild. She'd come through, get a great workout and be like, hey, we want to feature you on mm-hmm. such and such show next week. I was like, this is wild. And
0: this was a college friend of ours who was a TV producer and just put us on. And when we were on that show so often, I think it was a Deborah Duncan show in particular, other stations and other shows would see and would want us on. So that's how we were able to be on all these. Like,
1: Right. I think it organically became. And this is good for anybody who's like, how can I get my name out there? Forget hustling for it. Be good at what you do. Provide a quality service. And if somebody comes along the way and shows love, embrace and receive that Mm -hmm. with humility we were not featured on TV so much because we're just so incredible and have all the connections. I think it organically happened because we were on one network a few times mm-hmm. and the other networks start to see it as like a competition thing. Like, yeah. oh, well, we need to feature them. And, uh-huh. and so we were like, okay, we'll ride that wave. Like yeah. let's, let's go.
0: Yeah. It was a huge blessing. I mean, we did, so, but we also just did so many things in terms of being at festivals and yeah. events and yeah. we kind of worked ourselves into the ground a bit, we were definitely pretty burnt out. I remember, I'll never forget that April through August, we did not have a free moment in a weekend. And by that, I mean, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, Sunday mornings. It was literally, literally nonstop for all those months. And I remember saying to Terry, we will never do that again. We will never book ourselves that crazy we can't do that and we begin to be very strategic about our planning like our life right and events because because life
1: doesn't stop after you launch you got to do all that goes into running that business and you're still going to have friends who have weddings friends who have baby showers holidays are still happening Mm -hmm. like be prepared for that.
0: Yeah. So that year was wild, but man, we did really great. We made six figures in revenue that year, which like to go from six people at a launch to six figures in revenue, we hadn't projected either, right? We didn't project yeah. to just get six people, but we also didn't project to have our revenues really take off how they did. So it was huge. And I attribute so much to our success to having had a business plan where we really thought through what our business looked like in totality, really thought through how everything was would weave together and have it vetted by someone, and you know, that, that kind of had gone before us, and all of that. So, anything else you want to share about the year after before we get into some of the major takeaways?
1: Yeah, let me jump back real quick to launch day. One okay. of my favorite pieces about launch day, yeah, was Ronald C. Green, Houston City controller, yes. coming in and officially presenting a plaque of proclamation, like the city of Houston officially recognizing the birth of the league and like making that day a special day, that just meant so much. And I I say it humbly, but that was mind blowing because it wasn't announced. It wasn't something we knew was even happening. Right. He just walks in, in between people playing games and enjoying the party and engaging in whatever activities we had for the day. And he's coming fresh out of a Texans game and has his son with him and just like super family man. Like, Hey, I want to give you all this. And let's take a photo with it. That was amazing.
0: That was really special, Um,
1: yeah. That year after, biggest takeaways, definitely honor the grind. It's going to take a lot out of you, but do what you got to do in practicing self-care so that you don't slide into burnout. I don't wish that on anybody. Definitely be patient and don't ever stop believing in your ideas before you launch your business, you just believe in it. There's nothing you can stop you from believing in it. People tell you, oh, that's a silly idea. No, you're destined, determined, you're a dreamer, right? And then you launch it and you're like, okay, we're financially inside out. Don't let that be a moment where you stop believing in your dream. It's gonna turn around and you got to really see through the tougher times and believe that you'll get there.
0: And I would say really key into the people who are coming, get surveys, get feedback, make it better and be adaptable in that way. I love what Terry said about don't stop believing in your ideas. That's so true. And also listen to how you should tweak your ideas, because we had our idea of stack training, for example, Mm -hmm. but. As it came to communicating that to our audience, our clients, it was better to make it pack training. So yeah. we were willing to say, OK, that idea wasn't perfect. Let's move it to pack training. And it's so much more streamlined and and better. So be open and adaptable. It's a huge quality I think entrepreneurs should have.
1: Ask people why you suck. <laughs> Not that you word it like that, but... We used to stress, remember, Ashley, about what questions should we put on the survey? Is it about how clean the bathrooms are? How well the classes are instructed? How well this and that works? Do they want different hours. And really, ultimately, it was like, how can we better serve you? Because yeah. when people get honest with you about that, then you know the recipe to win.
0: Right. And think about what you want when you go places. We had a gym. We have, like, at our gym, we have feminine protection products. Because, like, how much does it suck to go to the gym and need, need that and don't have it? We also have hair scrunchies for girls. I know these are like girly things, but like how does it feel whenever you get to the gym and you don't have a hair scrunchie to pull your hair up? We have that for people. Just thinking about little tweaks that people will say once a client said, Y'all have like good toilet paper. Y'all don't buy the cheap toilet paper,
1: you know? Yeah, she was like, you get the kind of toilet paper that you would have in your own home. And
0: it is the toilet paper we have. Notice our own these home. are all
1: special things for the ladies. Fellas, we ain't got nothing special for you, okay? <laughs> like
0: <laughs> just come get your work. If you, if
1: you gotta throw up in the middle of the workout, then you can step outside for that.
0: Yeah. So Okay, this is
1: getting gross. No more more puke references. People do not puke when they come to the league, okay? It's happened like twice. Yeah,
0: well, more than that. But yeah, it's not a common thing. But just think about what you want from businesses that you take part of and do that for your own business. Add those special touches. That's a part of your marketing. So let's jump into some major takeaways. You want to kick it off?
1: Yeah, two major takeaways for me. One, love people well. And two, know your core competencies. So loving people well, for me, that's, okay, you have a business, you serve people, you do whatever you say that you do, whatever service you are professing to provide, you're doing that work, but then how are you actually making sure that your customer's needs are coming first and being met? Do that. Do that homework on your own time, come away with some answers to that, and really live into that. Then core competencies. So I was thinking about how I love fitness and Ashley loves business. And together we do a fitness business and how that's kind of informed a reframing of how I see everything in terms of startups since then. So I'm uh, in formation with a new group of partners on a really great thing that we're doing with some mindset coaching stuff. Uh, Can't wait till I can share more about that. But we had a really important conversation about everybody's role on the team And I remember just being really abundantly clear in wanting to express what I can be relied on for and what I should not be relied on for. And I was like, I love language and people and culture and branding. I do not love Excel spreadsheets. Therefore, if it's needed and I got to take one for the team, I'm happy to help and support in that role. But don't count on me for leadership of that. I'm not going to be the CEO of spreadsheets in this joint. (laughs) And it's the company's better for it because I'm not. I have more joy. I feel better about my efficiency. I carry more confidence in what I do because I'm owning what I'm supposed to own. And I'm allowing somebody else who's good in that role to perform that role. And so I think about like in sports, right? Like a quarterback is always gonna get so much love because a quarterback typically is like your guy with the six pack abs and he can really sling the rock. And he's like the star of the show. He can't do any of that without the O-line, these big, chunky, unsexy men who have to protect him so he's able to throw the ball. And I think the same thing happens in business. Like we have to honor core competencies because in building a team, there's different positions needed to be able to play the game and win the game, yeah. right? And that's kind of a masculine example. But for ladies, hashtag girl boss, right? I'm speaking as a husband who's proud of his girl boss wife. Ladies, you got that lipstick line or you got that law firm You're a hairdresser or you're doing like tax preparation services. Notice I'm putting all that on the same playing field. That's your dream. You run in your lane, live out your purpose. Now, what if you are the best hairdresser in the state, but people don't know about that because you need better marketing processes? What if you're just the best at what you do, but you can't be the best at everything? It doesn't mean that you're deficient, you're flawed, you're gonna fail. It simply means hire people onto your team that play the position you don't so that all positions on the field are being played so that you can win the game.
0: Yes. I love that so much. And I I hope that encourages a lot of entrepreneurs out there who are like, it's just me right now. I don't have the capacity to have a virtual assistant or a marketing manager or whatever it might be. Well, it's okay. You plan for that and you prioritize your growth over time you don't have to do this alone. And I think that's the biggest takeaway is that, You can do this in community. You can get around people who I love to put myself around people who have gone further than me so I can learn. from. That's
1: essential. Don't say that and just keep moving. This is your podcast. I don't want to interrupt you ever, but that's essential. And I hope people take note of that.
0: Yeah. It's super important to put yourself around people who are smarter, who are wiser, who make more money, who've done things better so that you can go up to their level. So I love those those takeaways, babe. And then I would say mine. And I know I talk about it a lot, but it's just having the business plan, I think, was huge. What did how did you think about the business plan and and how it impacted our business?
1: Well, for me, our dynamic is that you had the business background. I like understood the business of the fitness industry Mm -hmm. and had absolutely no desire to like build out a business plan. Right. Like you were saying, I could like, oh, let's plug in this price point, or let's understand this process, or let's do this with scheduling, maybe, right? But you were like, I'm a superstar in Excel spreadsheets. I love actually taking in information, logging it in a meaningful way, analyzing the data so we can make informed decisions going forward. So I looked at the business plan process as something that's absolutely essential and absolutely not my position, right? Like if I'm gonna be a quarterback, I can't be a wide receiver too. And so that's why I relied on you, your smarts, your knowledge, your background to be able to have education as to how I walk through that business plan, right? How do I implement something that I don't feel innately equipped to bring into this business? I think that that's something like if your business is devoid of a business plan, like get it quick, right? Mm -hmm. Like not to just go on a tangent, but I think this is just important. I want to drive it home. We have new builds in our neighborhood. There are homes that are still being built. And on my morning walks, sometimes I'll walk into a house that's just a frame. So it's just like the wood, but there's no brick yet. It's like a foundation and some wood. And your business plan is kind of like that frame. Like you need a blueprint. I can dream up the most awesome interior design and open spaces, high ceilings, big windows. What's the view going to look like? None of that happens without the wood that was set up first that nobody sees when the house is completely built.
0: Yeah, I love that um, analogy of a business plan being a blueprint. <laughs> it's just the idea that contractors don't go to a, a plot of land and start, just winging it, right? right? They have a plan, they have an architect has gone before them and thoughtfully planned out what should happen next so that they can get to work and be efficient. And that's what prove it Plan helps you do. It helps you land the logistics and the structure, the framework of your business, and it helps you go further faster. You don't have to go around Googling what is an LLC versus an S-Corp and how should I think about marketing strategies and how should I develop an, a standard operating procedure? Well, all of that is inside the program So you're able to just, like I said, go further, faster and and have a very solid um, foundation. So I'm so glad that you were on the show and that we got to kind of share some behind the scenes of our launch of the league, which is just like like I said, our baby business, which we're so proud of and so grateful to be able to steward. If y'all have any questions about Prove It Plan or even just general questions about launching or growing your business DM me. It's Hey Bird Williams on Instagram, or you can shoot me an email at hello at birdwilliams.com. As always, thank you so much for tuning in to Bird Means Business Podcast and for subscribing on Apple Podcasts. Make sure that you tell every entrepreneur you know about this episode so that they can get some of these tips and insights on what it looks like to launch a business and do great with their business launch as well. Awesome. Well, I will talk to y'all next week. Have a good one. Later. All righty. Are you ready for Terry's take? Of course. Of course you are. It's going to be so fun. Today we had Daddy on the show. How neat is that? Oh, yes. It's so neat to have Daddy on the show. Always on the show. It's always fun to have dad. And guess what? We talked all about the launch of our very first business, the league. You know the gym, right? Don't you like going to the gym and playing with all the equipment? Oh uh, yeah, I would need to get it out. <coughs> <laughs> oh my God, <coughs> Terry's kind of having a cough with dad right now, guys. We've we've done this like fifteen oh God, times. I'm in my car because uh, it was cold, uh, and now we're just giving it up. I have um, my car. I have my car I'm playing. Alrighty, Terry. So one of the biggest takeaways was about core competencies. Can you say core competency? Core competency. Hey, say it without clapping. Can you say core competency? Core competency. That was pretty good. And that's when you kind of stay in your lane and you do what you're best at. So when you go to get ready to launch your guitar business, I want you to focus on the pieces. Wait, that- wait, wait, mommy. I I I need to cough right now. <laughs> Okay, now he's just doing it on purpose, but it's fine. I want you to focus on what you're best at in the guitar business, and over time, hire out for all the other positions, okay? Okay. Sound like a plan? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Alrighty. Well, alrighty, Terry. You want to say bye to the people? Bye, people. Bye. See y'all next week. See y'all next week. Can I go get some candy?